chins. So if I've I've watched it happen, uh it started up when the wrench comes loose and falls down and hits the fan belt, fan belt sucks that puts that right up into the hood. Um your head's right. there, you're gonna you're gonna take twice. Yep. Alright, we gotta take Top of the hour. We'll be right back with the Simmons Carker show on ESPN in about three minutes. We'll be right back. ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, K285DL1049FM Tucson, and KMXZ HD4 Tucson. Wrangler, CJ's, Cherokees, Grand Cherokees. Hi, I'm Jerry Simmons of Simmons 4 Before Automotive Service Center. If you're a Jeep owner, we speak your language. We've been maintaining Jeeps since 1974. Broken drive shafts, death wobbles, transfer cases, four-wheel drives that don't work proper. Been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. Before you head out to the desert again let the jeep pros at simmons 4 before automotive service center check it out 8840217 we've been jeeping it since 1974 simmons 4 before automotive service center has been serving tucson and southern arizona since 1974 we service and repair dad's 4 before including light diesels mom's cadillac and junior's hot rod we believe in evidence-based diagnostics find it then fix it today's vehicles are primarily controlled by onboard computers they control everything from ride quality to engine and transmission performance what they don't control is proper maintenance that's up to you call us at simmons 884-0217 or visit our website at simmons autorepair.com the views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of espn tucson 1490 and 104.9 fm or the arizona lotus corporation got car trouble now's the time to talk with jerry on the simmons car care shop talk show call in now at 719-1490 one of them gas-drinking, pissing, clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. All right, welcome back to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. Podcasts are available at Stitches, uh, Spotify, ESPN Tucson. I think I left out one. It'll, it'll, that's all right. Uh, this portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum, Ina Road Auto Collision, 744-4454. As for all your auto, automotive paint and body needs, and uh, they're located at uh, 4425 West Ina Road, 4425 West Ina Road, 744-4454. And if you're a weekend warrior and you're working your brakes, uh, Merle's Auto, Merle's Machine Shop Service at 15 West Ajo. They do rotors, drums, and flywheels on Saturday. The phone number over there is 807-4010, 807-4010. And you can get that handled, hopefully, today. Uh, I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me, riding shotgun, Mr. Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for all your towing needs. And we're talking shop. We're talking heat. We're talking, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about diagnostic stuff that you can do and uh, something that will clear up your head while we're actually uh, moving along. And it is open line, I mean, open show, seven 
This is the call number down here for the program. There is no race today at Tucson Speedway. It's next weekend, the 30th, is when they have our next show. And so with that said, uh, welcome back, Jim. Well, thank you, Jerry. Glad to be here. Happy to help you out on uh, Saturday mornings, bright and early. At least it's nice outside. We're going to go out and do outdoor activities. Now is the time. Don't wait till. <laughs> Oh, wait till 10 o'clock in the morning or mid-noon, thinking that it's a good time because it'll just be hotter and probably muggier well, and all the all the fun stuff that we deal with in Arizona. It is. It's search and rescue in Tucson for the ones of This is the stuff that didn't make the news. Uh, the heat exhaustions out in the field is going along just fine. You know, they had another one yesterday. And, uh, but I... I that is good information. If you're going to hike, hike early. Be back by about 11 o'clock on the outside. In other words, go take off about 6 o'clock as soon as it's clear, uh, daylight enough where you can see the rattlesnakes and go ahead and do your hiking. But be back by about 10.30 or when your water's half gone, go home. Because if you drank half of it going out, you got you need the other half coming back. So you can do that and save yourself some aggravation. Uh, I mentioned diagnostics, some of the things that you can do with diagnostics. When you do a job on a vehicle, and the vehicle, let's say it's driving when you parked it in your garage at home, and you're a do-it-yourselfer, and you get through, uh, and then all of a sudden it don't want to start. When people have vibrations on cars, first thing I ask them is, what did you do to it recently? Did you put tires on it? Oh, yeah, I put a set of tires on it. Did you have a vibration before you put the tire on it? No. Okay, go find out what's going on with your tires. Don't try to sit there and make excuses for the cars. Go back and revisit what you've just done. Okay. You may have put everything, you followed everything to the nth degree. You may have knocked off a vacuum hose. Uh, there is so many little things. You may not have put a plug wire back on uh, the way it was supposed to go back on, and it's actually got a miss in one of the cylinders. Just go back and recheck your work again. Don't get mad. Just uh, don't think, well, this hunk of junk, I'm going to go down and trade it in. No, you're not. You're going to fix it and drive it. So just go ahead and be patient, but go back in. Go in and get you a cup of coffee, then go back to work on it. If you've got a car that's kicking your butt when you're working on it, walk away. Walk away. Take about a 15-minute break. Clear your head. Get your temperature back down to where it's supposed to be. Then go back and go to work on it because most of the butt kickers, as we call it in the industry, are created by the technician. He gets in such a big hurry, he forgets, oh, 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 it's a piece of equipment. It does. It's not like a mule where it's got its own system. It's a, it's a mechanical device. And there's been something where you sidestepped or you missed a certain thing in your diagnostic procedure or in your repair procedure. Mistakes happen on vehicles all time, all time. You can put a brand new part on it, and it can drive you crazy because the brand new part doesn't work. And in your mind, it's brand new. It has to work. No, it doesn't. We're finding out more and more about that because when you look at your supply chain, you've got parts coming in from literally all over the world, and. You'll you'll buy a part. It'll be a little less expensive than the OE part because you can't get the OE part because it's on back order. That tells you something right there. So evidently there must have been an issue with this particular part or they wouldn't be out and it on back order. So keep that in mind while you're working on this vehicle. Everything, you have to think through it. You can't get in a hurry. There needs to be a plan. And if you have a problem, if it runs when you pull it in and it won't run when you take it out and you've done everything that you can think of, 
you overlooked something because it would be running. Mm. You got anything you want to add to that, Jim? That's about as basic as I can get on diagnostics on this. Yeah, the new part thing. You know, <laughs> I got to laugh. Um, I, I, so, Keep them crying. Uh, so um, I, I was watching some guys do some work. Well, it wasn't recently, but it was a, a little while ago. And they had a, a single-cylinder engine. It was one of these ones from the 20s, right? The teens in the 20s. So it's a hit and miss, they call it, right? One cylinder. It has a it has a uh, magneto for the ignition, and it has a push rod that pushes the exhaust valve open. It doesn't even have a push rod to push the intake valve open. The intake valve sucks in via via vacuum, right? The simplest engine you can imagine has timing, but not complicated. So they're working on it. And they and they tried to make it run. Mind you, the carburetor is basically a meter drip of fuel running in, right? That's how that's how simple this thing is. You could literally stand there and dump fuel into the into the intake and make it run. And so they're there, befuddled and dumbfounded because it won't run. And I'm like, well, what's wrong? Well, it won't run. And I said, did you change the spark plug? And they're like, yeah, we just put a brand new one in it. I said, well, maybe you got to replace that. It's brand new. Oh, and by the way, we took it out and we grounded it and we cranked it over by hand because that's how you got to crank it, and it sparks. Well, why don't you change, put the old one back in or change it to a different one? No, no. They worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. <laughs> and lo and behold, what did they find out? The one and only part that you could change was the spark plug. And it was bad <laughs> because it was just a bad spark plug. And as Jerry has seen and I've seen, some certain certain items fail under a load. You know, so you put a spark plug in, and it old school days you used to be able to take them out of the cylinder and you laid them up against the block, and you could actually watch it spark. Can't do that today. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. But the old school days you used to be able to ground it, and you could actually watch it spark, right? But you put it in the cylinder, and because of the compression. And the high pressure in the cylinder, the spark plug shorts out. doesn't work. And Jerry can tell you this. He's seen it probably a billion times, 10,000, million times more than I've ever seen it. But I've seen it. So you'll, you'll do a brand new tune-up on an old car, and it doesn't run, and you have to change all the spark plugs again. So when, when we're talking Absolutely. about new parts, that, <laughs> new parts that fail at the get-go, it happens all the time. And there is nothing more frustrating than I, knowing that you just did a job <laughs> to redo it. So I was uh, racing a big big block Ford. Big block Ford is a four twenty nine punched out to four forty one. And we went to the track, we had a set of champion spark plugs in it. As soon as I unloaded that big four barrel on the top of that thing, my engine quit. And we went in. And we start, and we're at the track. And so my mechanic that was with me at the time, he said, everything in this, this is, everything in it's brand new. Everything should be working. And so he pulled out a spark plug and it wasn't firing. He reached down and said, this spark plug will not fire if it has raw gas on it when it fires off for some reason. So he pulled the champion spark plugs, and I'm not bad-mouthing champions that run good and everything else except my race car. And um, we pulled it out. All eight spark plugs were fouled. We put a set of AC Delcos in it that we happened to have in the toolbox, and they were used spark plugs. Put the used spark plugs in it, put them back together, and continued on with the race. We tried another set of champions because we thought maybe we just had some all bad plugs, which is not common with eight spark plugs. And when we did, it fouled out again while I was doing hot laps. 
and we changed the spark plugs again. But at that time, we were a little smarter. We took a, a brand new set of Delcos with us, and we put the Delco GM Delco spark plugs in it, and it run perfect. So spark plugs, new parts can fail. And if, boy, I'll tell you, if Brian Fuller ever gets back on this program, when he gets almost caught up over there, uh, he will tell you about some parts that's failed that has been incredible. The quality of parts that the garages are actually exposed to is incredible. The amount, we can buy just about any part on the market, but there is certain things that you don't buy in a parts house. You have to go to OE. And one of the things, one of the first things I remember was brake pads on a Nissan vehicle. We put three sets of brake pads on a Nissan one time, and we couldn't figure out why they made so daggone much noise, and they were just a pain in the butt. And then we went down, got a brand-new set of pads, same vehicle, same model, everything, got a brand-new set of pads, put it on, problem solved. And we said, okay, well, it's good enough for us. So then we started anything. If we had a problem with a brake pad, the first time, we didn't even go back to the same brake pad. We would go down, buy a brand-new pad from the dealer, put it on, and it was done. Now, that's only on the Nissans was the ones we was having a problem with. Then brake manufacturers all over the world started coming up with a little better brake pad and a brake shoe, and it got a little better and a little better and a little better and a lot more expensive and a little better and a little better and a lot more expensive and until we're at where we're at today. And most of the aftermarket brake shoes and stuff that you'll get from Merle's, they have a good quality. They have an economy class. I want you to stay away from economy class. Remember what I said about safety products? I don't want you going to, if you're going to run an economy set of brake shoes, one, they're going to wear out prematurely. They're going to have a lot of brake dust on them. And, yeah, they'll stop you for a while. And then the brake dust is going to annoy the crap out of you. And when you see a lot of brake dust showing up on your drums and wheels and stuff, you need to have your brakes properly inspected. You need to make sure that your rotors and drums are within specifications. And you need to make sure that the brake pad that you're running on there is worthy of the car in your safety. So there is about three different styles of brake pads. You don't want the bottom end. You may not need to top in because you're primarily driving inside of Tucson. The better the brake pad, the better the heat distribution is from the brake shoe or pad, brake shoe or pad, and the better stopping you're going to get. Like if you're out in a freeway at 75 mile an hour and all of a sudden brake check and you get on the binders, the fade's not going to be as great and you're going to be able to get that thing down in a safe. One, you should be running that close to the hind end of the other one anyway. But if you'll do that, you'll you'll save a lot of aggravation. You'll have a more dependable braking system on cars, and it just it works better. It works better. And unless you've actually tried this, you probably won't even know what I'm talking about. But for the technicians out there that see this stuff all the time, yeah, they know. They know. They're not going to put a pair of junk brake shoes on your car. Knowingly, I should say. Uh, I had a set of brakes that I was testing for a big manufacturer, and they put a set on my truck. <coughs> I drove that thing two days, and I would drove it back into the shop. I said, get the crap off my truck. And so they sent a manufacturer rep to me. <coughs> Excuse me. And they said, what was the problem? I said, they don't stop. Hard pedal, don't stop. And they said, well, and then he almost made the mistake of going, well, do y'all know how to install these pads? Then he avoided, he got away from that real quick. And so they put another set that he said, this is primarily for commercial use. I said, okay, and why didn't I know about this? And so we changed to put that set of brake pads on my truck. They were perfect, absolutely perfect. And then down the road, about 90 days later, we did a, a one-ton, 
And we put a set of the brake pads on. It's supposed to be the latest and greatest from the same manufacturer. Lo and behold, it was the same crap that I had on mine. And so I called back over and I said, no, these are junk. I want a set of, and told them what I wanted. Oh, the commercial brand. Yeah, no kidding. But the commercial brand back on it, problem solved. So there's a lot of different parts out there. There is something for every budget and every economic level out there available. You know, I've seen we've had vehicles come in there. We put the the scored rotors on them, as they call them, the one that vent the air and help get rid of the heat, like they run on race cars. We've converted them over on uh, Chevy uh, Suburban, the guy that was using it for a lot of running and hauling stuff. Here's his problem. Don't cheat on a brake job. Don't cheat on a brake job. A brake job, a parachute, these things have potential killing you. Don't cheat on a brake job. And for the ones of you out there, when you have the brakes done, make sure that that parking brake, it used to be called an emergency brake. It's no longer emergency brake. It's a parking brake. When you stop and you park it on a hill or you're parking it in your driveway, you set the parking brake. Don't forget to take it off when you get ready to roll off. You know, my diesel's got just about enough power to power on an idle past the parking brake. But I set my parking brake every time I stop at Son of a Gun because I want it I want to know that it's working, and that's what you need to know because you may not drive in the same road conditions or the same environment. You may go to San Francisco and try to park on one of those hills that they've got on the roads. Trust me, you need a good parking brake for that because it will roll off. And if you'll do that, you'll be much safer, and I'll feel much safer, and the people on the road that you're going to be riding against, just remember, maybe they did not put the same quality brake system on their vehicle that you did. So if they want to get right on your bumper, let them pass. Get them pass. You're in no hurry because an average wreck will take you down for what, an hour, two hours, Jim? Oh, depending on the wreck, <laughs> probably longer than that. Yeah. Um. yeah, and so you haven't made up any time. By, oh, well, this guy's on my rear bumper. Okay, if that guy's on the rear bumper, this is what I want you to think about. Is his reaction time as fast as mine? He's in a little car, which means you have little brakes. He weighs about 32, 3,300 pounds. You weigh about 8,000, 8, okay? But your brakes are big enough to one of your brakes will probably stop that car, I know that all four of them is going to stop that car because he's going to hit you in the butt. So just remember, is his car in as good a condition as yours? And I'm here on this radio to tell you, probably not. Assume it's probably not as well-maintained as the vehicle that you are driving. Or you can assume that maybe his vehicle is maintained the way your vehicle is maintained, and you don't need him behind you because you can't even stop. How in the world is he supposed to stop? But this is defensive driving, and it'll keep you out of a lot of problems. You know, that one car link, two links, three links, when you stop, give it about three links to the car in front of you so that, one, when he hits you in the rear end, your foot's going to come off the brake because of just the hit will pull your foot off the brake and you'll go back on the brake, hopefully, before you hit that car in front of you. So that's my safety. That's my safety lecture for this morning. Seven one nine fourteen ninety. Anybody wants to add anything to it? Seven one nine fourteen ninety. By all means, join us down here. You know, Jim and I talk for the first hour. It's your turn. We've already talked thirty minutes into this one. <laughs> but before I get to the phones. Uh, LensAutoBrokerage.com, LensAutoBrokerage.com. If you're looking for a small vehicle, something a little better gas economy, uh, one, do the math. Make sure that you actually want to invest in that. And because if you spend $30,000 $30, on a smaller vehicle just to get to fuel economy, 
you have to remember that it's, it's going to take some fuel also. Your vehicle is taking fuel. So what's the difference between the mileage on your vehicle that you're driving and the vehicle that you're going to purchase? And then divide the gas price into the price of that car that you're looking to purchase and see how far it's going to take you down the road. When I first bought a diesel, I did it. I did the gas mile. I did the math. For the difference in the price of the diesel and the difference between the price of a diesel and the price of a gas burner, I would have to drive that diesel 120,000 miles before I ever realized I was going to save money on the fuel mileage. 120,000 miles. Now, it's from zero to 120,000 miles. But I used the diesel for pulling. I needed the extra power. So I got the diesel. And I've had diesels ever since. I'm a diesel fanatic now. I just, you know, the one I have, I don't use it. I have to remember to put the, all the additives in it to keep everything from choking up and coking up. And I'm thinking, and it's too tall for me. So now I'm thinking very seriously about getting rid of a 8,000-pound uh, diesel and going to just a gas burner, just a smaller half-ton gas burner because that's all I need right now. And um, so keep... Keep this in mind when you're out there dealing. But Lens Auto Brokerage, if you're looking for a good vehicle, a car, truck, or diesel, LensAutoBrokerage.com. Also, you can visit his website, DesertRV.com, specializes in toy haulers. And it's an easy, negotiable website, and it's very well done. Both places, LensAutoBrokerage.com, excellent website, DesertRV.com, excellent website, and you can let your fingers do the walking without driving over. Then when you spot something, go over, take a look at it, kick a tire, test drive it, and then make your decision at that point. All right, now it's getting later on in the hour. So, uh, you know, I, I was talking about Parker Automotive. Parker Automotive, Scott, uh, over on the counter, Parker Automotive, Mike, Parker's one that owns it, and they've been around. They're locally homeowned and grown. Beautiful place on 5101 East Speedway in the Midtown, 323-1960. It's a high-tech shop. A high-tech shop is like a Brian Fuller's. It's like a Simmons. It's a high-tech shop. And they have all the equipment, all the diagnostic equipment, and they can do the job and get it done right. Beautiful location. Super clean, well-trained technicians. Can't say enough about them. Parker Automotive, 323-1960. And you can uh, feel comfortable from the referral from Simmons on this one because I, they, I refer people to them. Because most of the shops like Brian and Parker and Simmons, we stay two weeks. Brian, I talked to him last week. He's about three weeks backed up. And uh, it, it, so we're busy. And there's a story behind the backup, mainly part supply, a quality parts, uh, just a host of items. It's kind of like a body shop. I mean, you can't fix it in a body shop at Spectrum if he don't have the part and can't get the part. But you don't know that until you get down and you say, okay, well, now let's start ordering these parts of these thousand parts that I'm going to need to repair this thing. And then you get it all the way down to two parts. That two parts could hold you up for two, three months, and that gets to be a pain. But it's just the way it is in the auto repair industry. So, hello, just realistic expectations. If you're going to expect a car to be fixed in a, in a day and it needs a motor, it's not going to happen. More people are continuing to hang on to their vehicles now, and for a good reason. They're it's it's they're quite expensive, and if you if you buy a used vehicle, you're going to still pay around anywhere from eighteen nineteen thousand on the average up to about uh, thirty thousand. A new car is going to be about forty three thousand unless you get electric. And by the way, buyer beware if you're buying a used electric car. If you don't know what the problem is. And you're hearing this, I suggest you check them out really close before you buy a used electric vehicle. Okay? Just do your homework, please, please, please. 
So Lens does have a good one. You can go to his website at lensautobrokers.com and find out what he has there. Uh, Merle's Automotive, if you're looking for parts on a Saturday morning. Merle'sAuto.com. Go to Merle'sAuto.com. Look up the locations. They have 10 locations in Tucson, then they have them scattered out all over the state. And if you want to, if you travel, and most of us do, and I know it's a pain in the butt, go to your smartphone and say, okay, I'm going to go to Sierra Vista. I'm going to go to Phoenix. Uh, I need to, I need to find out somebody that if I break down, what's going to happen? We used to do this for people on vacation. We belong to automotive service associations scattered out all across country. And they would, they would call in and say, okay, this happened in Alabama. I broke down in Alabama, Jerry. Do you have any shops that you can recommend here? It was a wife and a daughter towing back a horse. And we were able to go in the book and find a automotive place there. They called the automotive place. The automotive place asked where they were located. And they told them, and said, you're less than a mile from a dealership. Will it run at all? And they said, it's barely moving. Well, barely move it into the parking lot on that dealership. That seems to be your best out right now. And uh, so that helping them. Kids going to college. Kids going to college out of the area. Dads, moms, when your kid goes to college out of the area, the first thing you want to do, if you send them with an automobile to that location, you, since you're the experienced one, you find out a way you can call Simmons. You can call, you can go online, go to automotive service association.com and you can find a member in these different states. Or we had a book over there and now I think everything is done by online computer. Find a shop that's an automotive service association, independent, and call the area. There may be one, two, three shops there. And these people are very helpful in trying to get you assistance in that area, especially with your kid going to college there. They need to be in a shop that they can actually uh, be acquainted with. I set my daughter up in Arkansas when she was going to college there, my granddaughter. And when I was back there visiting, I went into the place and introduced myself and spent some time and looked to make sure that I'd made a good decision for my granddaughter. It turned out to be a very good decision. They were very knowledgeable, competent, honest, clean shop. And so it works, and it saves dad and mom a lot of aggravation because we know who pays that bill while it's out of the area. And I work with guys across the country, work with a guy in Colorado. We used to maintain his daughter's uh, vehicle in Tucson. would call him, tell him what it was, what it needed, we would repair the vehicle, release it to the daughter. The guy back there would actually send a check, you know. So it, it works both ways. You take care of them. And uh, I did my daughter when she went to Phoenix. I talked to uh, ASA shop up there. And he took care of my daughter's vehicle. About three years later, his daughter come to Tucson to go to the University of Arizona. He called me. He said, okay, it's time to get some of your money back now. And I maintained her vehicle for over two years while she was at the University of Arizona. So it works. But little, little, little preventive maintenance, I call it on mom and dad's part. One, it puts you relaxed because she's driving a vehicle. When they call you, uh, hey, I broke down. At least you've got a referral where you can send them. And what you do is you pick the shop the closest to the college the shop is closest to the college that has a credibility. And it, sometimes it takes you two or three phone calls to come up with that. And I've, I've talked to guys in shops across the country, uh, and they'll say, Jerry, that's about 25 miles from me. Let me – I've got a buddy or I've got this guy that I know for years and years. He's got a good shop, and he's about two miles from there. Let me refer her to that shop. And I said, okay, so he'll get you the phone numbers. He'll get you all the information. Then you call that shop, tell him you were referred by this other guy and you lay the groundwork. And then if you feel comfortable with it, then you can use them. If you don't just keep digging. There are good shops all across the nation that are honest 
And that's the biggest thing you've got to deal with is a guy that's honest. They have to be honest. And you can't just take your word for it. You have to kind of have a reference. So once you do that, then it saves you a lot of aggravation in auto repairs for the college-bound student. And right now there's going to be a lot of college-bound students getting ready to go back. So this is just a word of uh, a little information that hopefully you can use, and it'll save you the panic. Oh, my gosh. And you don't have to, well, take it to the dealer. Dealer may be 25 miles away, depending on what college you're going to. And uh, independence, I prefer independence over the dealership because I think it's less specialty. Uh, you get a hold of an automotive shop that will work on, you know, 3,500 different models, and you get a hold of a, a dealership that specializes in Ford that work on Fords. That's where their specialty is. GM, same way. Chrysler, same way. You want somebody that can work on your daughter's vehicle that has the knowledge of all the makes and models and that has all the technology and all the machines and stuff it is to work for them. So that will save you a, a, a lot of headache. And besides, if you get an independent owner, you're probably going to talk to the owner or you're going to talk to his head manager there, and then he's, you still have access to the owner in case anything should go awry or you don't have the – you didn't get the information from the other guy that you need to talk to the owner about. So there's the advantage of that. All right. And for Mr. Mr. Test First Don't Guess, Brian Fuller. We talked about him a little bit earlier in the program on the first hour. His phone number is 572-1734, area code 520 now. you got to dial 520 in everything here in Tucson. And Brian's cell number is 237-3852. And he's located on the west side of Tucson. And his website is Automotive Specialist AZ, small letters, dot com. Automotive Specialist AZ dot com. 3611 West Ina Road. He's at Meredith and Ina in the Bookman's Plaza. And you can, uh, he's on the far end of that one as you go in off of Meredith. Just hang a left and go out. He's behind the, the little parts house they got out there. But he's a pretty good sized place. He's got, Brian is one of the best technicians in diagnostics in the country. If it has a problem and he can't fix it, you need to go ahead and call salvage company and come and get the car and take it to a junkyard. That's how good he is. He's just like Parker, and he's just like Simmons tries to be. Of course, about every time we think we've got the answers over there, somebody changes the questions, which is normal. It's normal. Cars are quite sophisticated now. But the main thing that you can do to stay on top of this sophisticated, computerized, four-wheel drive or four wheels on the ground rolling computer is to maintain that's your part of the warranty to keep this thing going. You have to maintain it. If you don't maintain it and you don't prove that you're maintaining it, they're going to void your warranty. That's the way the thing is. Can they put a warranty coverage out there on every part of the vehicle? No, there's too many variables. There's too much uh, weather involved. There's too much road road construction. There's too many potholes. Everything is there. The only way you can keep this thing or stay ahead of it by having your own maintenance program based on the mileage that you drive and have somebody that's sitting there with a computer that can send you a notice when by time when you're uh, when you should be ready for your oil change. Then you can look at your records and see when it was actually changed and if you're over or under the mileage at which you've got this, and then you put it on the schedule of the vehicle that you're driving. And so it's it, it's not as complicated as I may make it sound, but it is very, very necessary. All right, Jim, what you got, buddy? Well, let's see. How about let, let's we'll talk a little bit about electrics. How about that? Go ahead. Go ahead. So, when you guys are, Jerry mentioned earlier about uh, if you're going to buy an electric, uh, make sure you know what you're buying. Um, 
we towed a we, we did work for a, a electric vehicle and it was a fairly late model um, towed it to Phoenix to get the, the main battery replaced the main battery for this car was 30 grand now good lord a chunk of change. good lord Thankfully, it was under warranty, and, but it was a three-year-old bat. It was 19, so it was a 19, so it was going on three. Still still met the warranty, but it was 30 grand for the, for the battery replacement. And, of course, you know, it's not like they have them just sitting in the back pocket there. They do have to special order these things. Um, mm-hmm. Take the subframe apart. Um, the battery sits... Uh, Lithium-ion batteries in, in electric cars are contained in a well, um, so they so they're they're isolated. So they have to remove the some come from the top, so they got to take the interior. Some come from the bottom, so they take the floor pan off. Um, unhook it. Well, decharge it first. Actually, you have to decharge the battery because it doesn't because the battery doesn't just go dead. It, it actually does a good job of holding its charge. Decharge it. Remove it. Reinstall the new one, reprogram the computer, relearn the computer, and put it back together. Um, so, as we move forward into uh, electric technology, remember that you know, cars, cars, um, and electric are kind of like high-end cars today. So, if you are the first owner of a BMW, it's great. But when they hit the the secondary market, sometimes it's not so great. Um, not that they're bad cars, but they take a they take a lot. High-end cars take a lot of maintenance. They take a lot. They can be highly expensive. Just remember that when you're when you're looking at one to to get into the in the secondary market. The the electrics are you know been around for years, few years, so they're starting to pop up, and uh, they are going to have to be maintained. And unfortunately, um, you're going to be limited to the dealer on some of these because. Doing the battery replacement requires very specialized software, very specialized computers. It's proprietary to the manufacturer. And they're not giving it up because they don't want you to go to the to a independent. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, there will be independents that pop up to handle electric battery vehicles and electric battery service. It's the way things go. It's not there yet. We haven't got the infrastructure in place yet. Um, so anyways, I just want to let everybody let you know about that. That was a little, I thought that was kind of an interesting side note. Um, the other thing is, um, that'll get, that'll get your attention. That'll get your attention in a hurry. You know, at, at that point you're thinking, well, how, you know, how, how should I handle my investment? Eh, that's a good call. Should I buy the battery at, and double or triple the price of my car? Or should I, should I, um, uh, you know, junk it and go for another car i mean these are those are decisions very tough financial decisions that that somebody could be faced with and you know if you're thinking about replacing a a a regular gas motor for sixty five hundred dollars and somebody says oh by the way your your battery's upwards of thirty thousand you know you're going to have some serious sticker shock well rumor has it just be Rumor has it that GM is making is going to make an affordable electric car, and it's my understanding it's going over it's going to be made in Mexico, Mexico, and it's going to run about twenty two to twenty three thousand dollars for the base model, and it's a little electric car. I'm struggling. They have the Volt, but this is a smaller one than the Volt and a lot cheaper than the Volt, and I think it has like a hundred and fifty mile range electric. <clears throat> to me, and it's just it's a small car. I've seen a picture of it, and <laughs> I want to say it's called a cruise, but I'm not I'm not going to say that because I'm not sure. And but GM is going to make these things and going to bring them out on the market, and it's for twenty three thousand dollars. It's electric car. It's a put put run around grocery shopping in a hundred fifty mile range. Now that I think would be absolutely ideal for somebody that's using it inside the city limits, or even if they have to run out to some place like Marana or something like that, 
that you can still go out and get back or as a little little delivery vehicle around Tucson and uh I I think that's great. I think that's great. I'm a little annoyed the fact they send it to Mexico to be built, but that's just me and I'm just I I'm I I think that we need to work inside of the continental US. But it is what it is. Ford's got electric vehicles now. Everybody's getting getting into the electric vehicle because there's a lot of money coming from your tax dollars that's helping produce these things and helping to you to buy these little cars. So I don't know how long that's going to last, but it's it's still it's there. So as far as uh, are we going to get away from the energy that it takes to charge these up? Nope. We're still going to be putting the money in to charge them up and get everything, the infrastructure. It's a long ways away. I was watching the news this morning where lightning hit one of these uh, uh, windmills, wind fans, and I can't even remember where it was at. i just seen it, and that one of those blades was burning like a son of a gun. And I'm going, wow, and it was still turning. It's actually kind of pretty the way they had it. It looked like a fireworks and, you know, almost a full-blown fireworks, but it was only burning one of those 50-foot blades on it. But that, I'm going, wow, wow. But still, electric is great. I'm still waiting for my solar-powered car (laughs) since we have a lot of sunlight in Tucson, Arizona, and southern Arizona, I should say. But, um, yeah, the electric vehicles are here to stay. Uh, but we're just cautioning you to make sure that you get what you think you're getting and that you've done your homework to find out, okay, well, I'm, I, my original plan was to run it around Tucson. That's like buying a half-ton truck to tow, you know, a 10,000-pound trailer. Oh, I didn't have the 10,000-pound trailer. I only had a 5,000-pound trailer when I bought the half-ton. And be out here a year later, I decided, oh, this is working out pretty good. I'll get a bigger trailer. I'll get a 10,000-pound trailer now. And all of a sudden, you find out you don't have enough truck to pull the 10,000-pound trailer. Now you got to go buy another truck. A lot of people did that when they were doing uh, buying all of these uh, RVs during the COVID thing where they were running down. They were buying bigger trailers than what they had the truck to pull them with. And they found out about it, and now they're having, or were, uh, still are, they realize that I need a bigger truck, but the price of the trucks are where they don't want to do it. So, you know, they've got RVs for sale now. So it's it's all a, 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 it's part of what we can do, and all I'm asking you to do is please do your homework before you buy a a 13,000 pound trailer to be towed with a half ton truck. Now you've got some trucks out there that are rated they're half ton and they're rated for 12,000 pounds. Uh, I had one. I had a trailer that weighed 12,000 pounds too and I towed it with that one. And it was okay and then my wife decided she didn't like the rear suspension. It wiggled too much. Well, you're going to have a little movement until you upgrade the tires to a 10-ply tire, and then she upgraded one more. She had airbags put on the back end of it, automatic, where that everything stays at uh, by computer. She had a little programmer. <coughs> Excuse me. And you set it at where you want it for the trailer. That's in setting one, and then setting two is running empty, and it's all automatic controlled. It's also very expensive. And then she decided the trailer was just absolutely still. She just didn't feel comfortable in towing that much weight with that half-ton truck. So she wanted to use my diesel. And the diesel towed it. The Ford pulled it well, had plenty of power, plenty of torque. And I didn't have a problem with it, but she was really nervous, even though I upgraded the tires and then she put that airbags on it. And everything in it, it run down the road straight. Very solid, but she just didn't like it. So it was changed out. So when you're out purchasing and looking for vehicles, look down the road and say, okay, where am I going to, what am I going to be doing in three years? Am I really into the hunting and camping right now? And it's going to wane out in three years where I'll no longer be interested in doing that. 
I hunt and I hunt and camped and stuff for probably twenty years, and every vehicle that I bought was one size bigger than what I thought I would need at the time, and that played out absolutely flawless. It just I had the vehicle when I upgraded my uh, uh, trailers and stuff, and it worked great. So this is one thing to keep in mind when you're out there looking for vehicles. Uh, people are kind of holding their breath right now, but at that time of the year, you've got elections coming up, and, and then you've got the 300 additional phone calls coming into your house uh, for surveys and stuff. And all of that is just something to kind of mess up your head, and you think, oh, well, you know, it's, well, this is horrible. This is horrible. Now, this is normal. This is normal. My dad said one time, he said, I've been through president after president after president after president, and guess what? We're still here. I've seen the stock market go up and down like a yo-yo. Guess what? We're still here. He says, so don't worry about the things you can't change. Just adapt and roll with it. It'll change back. It's just like the weather. <laughs> and he was right. So, but... The electric cars that are coming out, I was tickled to death when I heard that GMs actually want to put one out for 2300 However, Ford come out with a little pickup called a Maverick. That Maverick was nineteen nine ninety five. That was what it was advertised at. And I guess they got a waiting list of 100 miles long waiting on this Ford truck come out. My brother was going to buy one. He says, well... I was going to buy that nineteen nine ninety five. It's forty three thousand dollars now. If you get it and you want anything in it to upgrades and stuff like that, and everything on it, I think except for the windshield and the tires and the body was an upgrade. And um, he got mad and said, "No, no, not going to do it. Not going to do it. I'll wait around and we'll just see what's happening." They're making a lot of small pickups now. I think uh, Hyundai has one. Uh, Ford has one. Honda has the uh, one that they come out with a long time ago. It's bigger than all the other three. And I seen one of the Hyundais, I think, last night, and it was a cute little booger. It's about big enough to have two bales of hay thrown in the back end of it, and it's uh, it's small like the little car. And it's, it looks like it'd be a nice little putt-putt around. You know, would I hook a horse trailer to it? Nope. Uh, but I'd haul two bales of hay in the back of it. Of course, I haul two bales of hay. I can haul one bale of hay in the back of my Honda <laughs> CRV. You, know you, know, you know what the problem with those are, Jerry? You know what you know what the problem is, right? So, so they're making the the, the electrics now. They're making these little little vehicles, right? They're cheap, so that the average person can afford one. So it's got a small battery. Mm-hmm. So so here's the dilemma. So you call me up and say, hey, Jim, it's Jerry. I'm having a barbecue. Come on over. Well, Jerry, I'll be over there in just a few minutes. By the way, um, I don't have enough in charge in my, my little new vehicle to get make it all the way there. If I park at the supercharger, can you come pick me up? Oh, wait. How about if I bring my charger and I plug it into your house and then you all, while we're there having barbecue, I can charge my vehicle. <laughs> so now you're you're, so, you're saddled with the question what's of the problem. Well, now yeah, so now I have a problem because you can't just go to the gas station and fuel up. So now I have to bring my charger or you could you just buy a charger for me, Jerry, so when I come over to visit you, I can plug in and fuel up for free? I mean that sounds like the friendly thing. Yeah, to they're only about. You're a, you're a nice guy. Yeah, they're only about three. Nice about three grand. They're about mm-hmm. three grand, but you know it, it's okay. We're friends. You just I'll come over there and I'll charge up my car, and you'll pay for the electric, and you know, and now um, it's okay because it's sure. not costing me anything. So the the electric car <laughs> etiquette is going to come to a head of. No, you don't bring your electric car. They're, you're going to have a sign out front. No electric cars available. No charging available here. Or, yes, you can bring your car. And by the way, bring your credit card because my charger is like a payphone. And you're going to put your credit card in there. And not only do I get to make money off your charging, so does the power company. Uh, my convenience, I'm like Circle K. My convenience. 
Are you uh, are you overthinking this or what? <laughs> no, no, the, 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 I'm not overthinking. This is a true problem, a problem that people are they're using their electric car but are unable to have enough downtime to charge it properly. They can't get it charged. It won't charge quickly enough, but so they've used it like a regular vehicle, and now they they have to actually ask for to be picked up at a charging station so that you can go. So you can go be social with somebody, or you have to have, be able to plug your car in at somebody's home. These are real legitimate problems with people running electric cars today. And as and you don't think about it, you know, you being not a very hospitable person, Jerry, would be like, oh, come on, oh, you can plug your car in, it's no big deal. But after the fifth time, you're probably going to start thinking, wait, how... How, how how am I supposed to handle this? And now that you've created the situation where it was okay previously, now how do you have the conversation about having a uh, conversation about having this uh, ch- car charging all the time? Hey, Jim, I thanks for coming over, but can you bring your gas car so we don't have my car plugged in? And, oh, we can't get to the plug today because I, you know, it broke. Uh, I got I put my my resto project in front of it. You can't plug in, you know. But these are these are problems that real problems that people are having with charging electric vehicles when they as a primary use vehicle. No, I can't come visit you, Jerry, because my car is charging. Can you come pick me up? I'll have to Uber to you. I mean, this is these are the challenges that people are facing, and they're becoming more and more prevalent as we as we approach new cars with limited infrastructure. That. That is correct. You know, I still right now. If I if I said okay, I'm going to go buy electric. I, w- I want something with electric in it. I would buy a hybrid. I want that little three popper, three cylinder motor up front, to where it is recharging the battery system that I have in this car, like the Prius and stuff. Uh, that's what I would get right now because one, I don't trust the infrastructure, and besides, the machines out on the side of the road. Are they going to work every time you pull up to plug into? I understand no. uh, there's an article I was reading about the plug-ins. They're having problems with the mechanical machines out on the side of the road. Now, does that mean they don't take your credit card, or does that mean that somebody doesn't rip the plug out of it because they didn't take it out of the car before they drove away? I don't know. But oh. they're still. it's just like when diesels first got popular. My Lord, if you wanted to fill up your diesel truck, you had to go to a truck stop. You had to go to Fly and J. You had to go out here to Triple T. You had to go to a truck stop to find diesel. Now you can get diesel within three miles anywhere. But it was a structure, and it was something that you had to sit there and figure out, going, okay, when I get to a quarter of a tank of diesel fuel, I better start finding a place to pump diesel. And now it's gotten better to where it's not really a big deal. And that's what I'm hoping is going to happen to the electrical accessibility. But just because they have a little uh, charging station sitting there on the side of the road, you think, wow, I made it. And you pull in, all of a sudden you find out that the charging station is not working. Now what? You know, so I'm I'm patiently awaiting them to get the infrastructure put together. Yeah. When when you get to the charging station and it doesn't work, you get towed. Been there, done that That's right. daily. You're going to get towed because there's no way to charge you up if the charging facility does not work. It happens. It's happening very well, frequently. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens frequently. Damage, damage to plugs, very common. People forget or they – got to remember, not everybody handles handles – equipment in the same way you handle it so maybe they maybe they laid it down and oh, drove yeah. over maybe their kid sat out there and and, and was going to play jump rope with it you know so if they whipped it up and down 50 times and ripped it off you don't know people all act differently so when you roll up you don't know the last guy who used it conveniently gas pumps are pretty pretty rock solid because we've had a hundred years to figure it out not so much with electric yet we'll get there not not today, but we'll get there. Yeah. It'll it'll take a while. Just exactly like you said, it has to be just like diesel. Take um, how long has it been with diesel? Where it became popular with oh the old Chevy V8s in the in the early eighties, right? The old 
5.7s that were converted from gas burners, the Oldsmobiles converted into diesels, right? That's the VW, the little rabbits that had diesels in them. Those were 1980. Well, now it's 2022. That's 42 years ago. Okay, so in 42 mm-hmm. years, it'll or 40 years, it'll be good. In, in, tw- in 2060, it'll 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 be it'll be rock solid. Mm-hmm. I'll be too old. Well, I'll we're down to about a minute. About we're down to about a minute, so we need to close her down, Jimbo. What have you got that you want to pass on 